Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. And today's episode is a bonus episode available for patrons who support the Nugget for $5 per month or more. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you don't know what these follow-ups are, from time to time, I like to go back and have some of my favorite guests back on the show. So I've already interviewed Emil. His first episode, I believe, is episode 85. Highly recommend that one if you haven't listened to it. And in these follow episodes, I have the guests back on, in this case, Emil, and talk about what they've been up to since our first conversation. And usually I try to time it with a big send of theirs or try to make it more topical and do a deep dive on a geeky topic that the climbing geeks, you guys that love these geeky episodes will enjoy, like the training stuff. We might go deeper into finger training, for example. But the timing of this episode was great because Emil is totally crushing right now. He just sent his first V15 back in January, I believe, with the story of two worlds in Switzerland. That's a super famous rock climb. It looks incredible. And the guy did it. Emil is a guy who started climbing relatively late in life at 16 years old. He's had this goal of climbing V15 for a long, long time. We talked about that in our first episode. And the guy freaking did the thing. It's so, so impressive to see how far he's come in his climbing in the last few years. This was a really fascinating episode because Emil tried a totally different strategy in his last season of training this past fall, which led to him climbing his first V15 and feeling stronger than ever on some other boulders that he tried. He actually gained 15 pounds, six and a half kilos of body weight over the course of the fall season while he was training, then went to Switzerland and climbed his hardest ever boulder problem, which is so cool and still a story that we just haven't seen much of in high performance rock climbing. So I was super excited to geek out with him. We talked about sending the V15. We talked about a previous send of Power of Now, which is V14. That's one of his most meaningful projects to date. So it was fun to hear about that one. And then of course, I was psyched to geek out with him on all the nitty gritty details. So we talked about why he decided to try to gain weight or rather let his body gain weight and stop focusing on restricting weight, how that affected his training and how he overhauled his training in the fall to level up to V15. I was curious to hear what his finger training looks like these days and we dug into that and I was curious to hear what he credits his long-term finger strength improvement too because he does a lot of different things campus boarding hangboarding he's got famously his twice a day hangboard protocol that we talked about in our first episode he still does that there's a little teaser we talked about that in this episode and you can hear how that fits in to the rest of his training i also talked about some of my big climbing goals in this episode and wanted to hear if emil had any advice for me and he had a really great takeaway that I've been thinking about a lot since this conversation. So yeah, all in all, one of my favorite episodes. I really enjoyed this follow-up. I'm going to give you guys the free teaser right here on the normal podcast feed so you can listen to it and see if it's interesting. And then the full version is available right now for patrons who support The Nugget for $5 per month or more. There's a link right there in your podcast app. If you just want to skip this, head over to the full length episode and become a patron and go listen to that 
right now. And I've published a lot of these follow-up episodes, close to 50 now. I think I've published, I think this is number 47. So if you can't get enough of the nugget, there's a lot of bonus episodes over there on Patreon. You'll get access to all of them as soon as you become a patron. And you can cancel at any time. No questions asked. I've also been posting more and more videos over on Patreon. So if you like to watch podcasts and if you want to sit down and hang out with us and see me in my van and see Emil with his setup at home, you can watch the uncut video version of this interview on Patreon as well. All of that and more for just five bucks a month. Once again, there's a link right there in your podcast app if you want to learn more, patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this free teaser. Hello there. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, man. Oh, it's good. It's good to see you. I can hear you. You can hear me okay? Perfect. Yeah, I hear you well. Look at you. You've got a microphone, headphones. You're a pro. That's not even like, okay, can you, you can see the screen here, right? Yeah. Okay. What it, let me, let me, let me showcase the little, can you see this? <laughs> yeah. Nice. I built a little fort. A little fort out of blankets. With the audio bit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, the sound is cozy. It's very nice. Um, nice. That's yeah. great. I'll do a separate, I'll do a separate recording from over here as well. And then you can just pick whatever, whatever works best. I was thinking. Oh my gosh. Amazing. You make it easy. I uh, I did a sound check with Johnny Dawes this morning. I'm going to be talking mm-hmm. to Johnny later this week. And uh, it was, you know, we had to have like a separate sound check just to like figure out how to get him on Zoom. It was this whole thing. So it's <laughs> nothing against Johnny. It was great. It was hilarious. He was making up words. Um, but yeah, you're, you're a pro. You clearly do this. You know what you're doing and it makes my job easy. So yeah, but it's good to see you again. <laughs> good to see you too. Where are you right now? So I recently got back to Stockholm from about a month down in Ticino. Uh, so now we are in the apartment here. Um, yeah, so in Stockholm. <laughs> nice. Um, well, I'm already recording. Um, you ready to just mm-hmm. dive into this thing? Yeah, for sure. Follow Let's go. Up? I'm so excited to talk to you, man. I just spent like three hours catching up on your YouTube last night. So I feel like we've been hanging out, but I also have all this like psych. I've just been following your journey. And um, I have to say, not to not to give away a spoiler. I mean, obviously you published it, but for people that haven't seen it yet, um, you sent Power of Now. That's something I want to talk about later. But that video, after watching the like eight, you know, lessons I learned in eight months of hard climbing video and... Mm-hmm not being sure if you had done it and then watching the Power of Now Send video, it was like, man, this is probably the best hype on the internet right now. This guy is so <laughs> excited. It's contagious. It just got me so amped to talk to you. So um, yeah, really excited to be doing this. I have a bunch of questions in front of me. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, let, let's catch us. If, if you could catch us up on what's happened since we last talked, I think we should start with that for people that haven't followed your channel or haven't watched all your latest mm-hmm. videos. I think last time we talked was about a year and a half ago. So this was like summer of 2021. Yeah, I believe. And then that episode came out in September. And um, you were building out your van and planning your big road trip. And it sounds like that got a little bit epic. Do you want to catch us up on that? It sounds like it took about four extra months to, to build the van and changed your plans a little bit, <laughs> which I can appreciate. Yeah, you're, you're basically, 
Yeah, that's a big part of the story, actually. Um, I don't know. Did you build your van yourself? No, it's it's probably the single best decision I've ever made was to just take my van and hand it to my friend Kevin and mm -hmm. say, hey, make it awesome. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's basically what I was just about to say, because <laughs> I think financially it was quite a setback to build it ourselves because it took, well, as meant, like you just said, four months extra. Um, was it really? So we started... Yeah, yeah. We started in June of 2021 and ended in the end of December. Um, there were a lot of things that went wrong along the way, though. Uh, so that's why it took so much extra time. But we we planned because, I mean, we were watching all of these like, oh, build your van in 30 days type videos on YouTube. And we were like, okay, well, it'll take two months then, right? Because we're two people. We should be able to do this efficiently. But, you know, we didn't know basically what different like anything about building a van. So we didn't know what, what tools to use. We didn't even have any tools. So like all of those things added up so, 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 so much. And um, I I can tell you a little bit of a story later on in the episode if we have time for it. But basically uh, we were ready to leave in November, but then a mechanic almost destroyed the entire van. Uh, but but it's not so much climbing related. So I, I think if if we have time, we can circle back to that. But it was so like stressful. those type of things that just delayed it. Yeah, it was super stressful. And then we left at the end of December 2021. And we actually lived in the van for nine months straight, basically. Uh, came back for like a week in March to Stockholm and then left uh, right down again. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was quite the experience. Um, it's it, It's... I don't know, it gives you a lot to live in a van, I would say, or at least for, for us, it was like that. It was a lot of valuable life lessons um, in terms of what you just appreciate in the daily life and and what you don't appreciate, I guess, as well. And it's, it's funny because I think a lot of people view van life as like this magical paradise type thing. But in the end, it's like, oh, it's, it's just life, but in mm. a smaller box, I guess. <laughs> you have less stuff, so it doesn't get as cluttered. But yeah. uh, I don't know, how, how have you experienced van life? Is it the same for you? Yeah, it's it's kind of what you described. It it hasn't been as different from normal life as I would have expected, and it's it's got um, it's just got pros and cons like anything else. You know, it keeps things really simple, which I appreciate. I think it adds a little bit of color to the day to day because you're just always mm -hmm. meeting new people and um, just having kind of more novel experiences day to day because you have to you know find a place to go use wi-fi or whatever and there's there's just mm -hmm. a lot of little things that are built into daily life that keep it fresh and kind of fun but those things are also really energy sucking you know it, it's kind of amazing how much time and energy you spend just existing finding a place yeah. to go get, you know, your water filled back up and find a place to shower and little things like that just take up a tremendous amount of time. It's it's kind of mm -hmm. it's kind of weird. Like this past summer I rented a co-working space for a couple months and actually just had like a desk and a workstation and I could do my podcast from there cuz they had like soundproof booths kind of sprinkled around the the company or uh, around the workspace. And um I felt like my productivity like doubled just from having that consistency yeah. and having, re you know, reliable Wi-Fi whenever I needed it, being able to charge everything right mm -hmm. there. So it was kind of eye-opening. It's like, wow, this this works, but it definitely isn't <laughs> efficient, I guess, you know? So mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. But I, I've kind of been thinking, I've been doing it for three years now um, with some breaks here and there, but um, but pretty much three years and I've been thinking like, man, I want to have more of a home base pretty soon, at least for chunks of the year, maybe like mm -hmm. half the year or something. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's the thing. And that's kind of been my conclusion as well. While I do absolutely love living in the van and I, I do miss it, it's actually really nice to be in Stockholm as well. And to just have like, well, I, I guess what it did was it enabled me to train and like be productive with my climbing in a very different way when I got back from the road trip. Um, so I spent the entire fall training like a maniac for the for the trip down to Ticino this winter, where I uh, also like achieved my my you know highest grade and hardest climb and just like felt you know felt all the all the climbing and the training I'd done actually give effect. But when when I was in the van, I was trying to train hard and I was trying to climb hard, but it just didn't quite work so well, I guess, to like fully you know. Yeah, uh, work out my climbing. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, I mean, like, I also really miss a lot of the aspects that come from it. Just having like, just having different days every single day. I yeah, because in Stockholm, it's like a lot of the days are the same, and to one extent, that's actually quite nice. And like, you know, it's it's simple, and you just you know recreate it. Uh, it's like you get good routines. But it's definitely quite fun to wake up in some shady parking lot and then look around and like, oh, what do we do here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. There is an aspect of fun to that adventure, I guess. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you did touch yeah. on some interesting things there. And that's actually um, something that I would love to talk about later if we have time for it, because this is pretty selfish. But I, I was curious if you had any advice for me. That's something I want to get to later because I have some still have some big bouldering mm -hmm. goals. I want to climb my first V12 this year, possibly my first V13. And um, mm -hmm. I've been realizing more and more, like I talk about training obviously all the time on the podcast and I learn so much from all these conversations. A huge theme is just focus and um, consistency, you know, that that really seems to work when you mm -hmm. simplify. And I've, I've experienced that myself. Like when I lived in Bend uh, back in Oregon and had a home wall, I had some of my best winters of training and then performance because my routine was so consistent and so simple. I cut out all the fluff. And um, something I've been realizing more and more is like, I think traveling all the time is actually starting to hold me back. You know, it's super fun. I love it. And if you just want to cruise around and like, you know, climb as many V8s or nines as possible, it's great for that sort of thing. But as far as like buckling down and trying to reach the next grade, I think it actually is really hard to do when you're living on the road. And um, I, I, I'd be really curious to kind of circle that back to that later and get your thoughts on, um, you know, progressing outside versus progressing in the gym and and how you mm -hmm. think about that. But yeah, your, uh, yeah, for sure. your, your V15 journey, you just talked about it, but for people that haven't seen the video, Emil sent Story of Two Worlds. Um, was that this fall, in like December-ish or w when was that? Uh, that was actually just a month ago, so beginning of January. So it was in 20, 2023, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I saw that, um, watched that video. That video is just like, you know, 30 minutes of just pure hype. It's it's so <laughs> much fun. And I was like, he fucking did it. He actually did it. Like this guy who started climbing at 16 years old, you know, who's not one of those like genetic mutants that started as like a four-year-old or whatever and, and had a, you know, was on like a team with coaches and everything. I was like, he actually did it. He climbed V15. And for me, I feel more inspired by you than, you know, like I, like I just had some conversations with Aiden Roberts and him climbing V17 and talking about how he climbs and everything mm -hmm. is fascinating to me. But it's, and, and I, I had like really, you know, actionable takeaways from those conversations, but it's harder to relate to. Whereas you, I'm like, oh my mm -hmm. God, like if he can do it, 
you know, <laughs> who who am I to at least not try? Or or you know, like like there's there there it feels more relatable. It feels mm-hmm. like there's more potential. It kind of lights a fire under my ass to be like, okay, if Emil figured it out, I got to figure <laughs> it out too. You know, um, nice. So yeah. anyway, congrats! Uh, such a massive accomplishment. That's a totally historic climb. It looks beautiful, and uh, yeah, I was just so excited to see that that pop up on your channel. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... One of my more memorable ascents. I will admit Power of Now had kind of a deeper impact because it was just so freaking out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, story, I was like, I was approaching it steadily. Like I could feel it. I just needed mm. the day kind of. But Power of Now was just like last day, had a tarp over the boulder because it was like, you know, piss pouring rain. And yeah, then I accidentally made it up. It, But aside from that, <laughs> I think it's my it second up. most. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really felt that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But um, aside from that, I think it's my my second favorite ascent uh, of all time. Uh, and I was like, you know, so psyched when I got up it. Yeah. Um, but it was mostly, actually, the the funny thing about it is that it wasn't so much about the actual ascent of the climb that meant so much to me. Which it one? It was the fact that I had, oh, story of two worlds, sorry. Um, like doing that climb was kind of a definitely a new milestone in my climbing and I w- will for sure admit that it was extremely special but it was more like a testament to how I'd been progressing over the past couple of months because um, I completely changed my perspective on training uh, and like how to become stronger as a climber and I, I guess in a kind of controversial way for a lot of people, at least for myself. Um, so I, I gained a total of six kilograms, which yeah. is like 15 pounds, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and felt, you know, lighter than I ever had before. Yeah. Which... So excited to talk I about mean, this. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really, it's, really it's, I uh, am. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, nice. I mean, I have a lot of things to say about that. And it's, it's definitely been quite eye-opening for me. Um, I mean, if you want, I could just dive right into it, how I, how I view it and like how it's. Yeah, let's, let's do it in one second. I'm just going to backfill for people that haven't watched all your videos. So I'll Mm -hmm. link to all these in the show notes for this episode, like right there, right there in your podcast app, if you guys are listening. Um, But for those of you who haven't seen the video, Emil put out a video covering like the eight months road trip and what he learned from eight months of hard climbing. And that, that was a super cool video. He got super close on a couple different V14s and then ended up climbing on Power of Now, which is this really beautiful, powerful overhang V14. He gets really close. He's down to like his last day and he like, you know, second to last day, he like collapses on the ground from exhaustion and it just seems like, okay, it's over. It's <laughs> supposed to rain the next day. His trip's over. He got really close on three V14s, you know, and that that's it. And then he put out a separate video showing the send. He came back the last day, put a tarp on the boulder, somehow just like fires the thing first try has to like push the tarp out of the way to top out and just your reaction to it was like the most excited i've ever seen anybody who sent anything and uh cordelia her her, uh her reaction your girlfriend's uh reaction was just incredible too she's you're both just like Mm -hmm. laughing hysterically in the woods in the rain um yeah it's just incredible so yeah, I'll, I'll link to those and I'll link to the Story of Two Worlds video as well for you guys listening. But yeah, so y- you had teased that or you said that in the Story of Two Worlds video that you went from, you said a few things. I was like, oh my God, I have to talk about this. So you said you went from <laughs> 76 kil- kilos to 82.5. 
over the course of last mm-hmm. fall training. So you gained six and a half kilos. That's for Americans listening, that's 167 pounds to 181.5 pounds. So he gained almost 15 pounds in the course of a fall season. And you said you changed your training habits tremendously. And then you went and crushed. And it wasn't just like this one boulder that you crushed. I mean, it seems like you you, you post that little teaser of off the wagon and you doing that campus rose move, mm-hmm. you know, off like a one mm-hmm. one pad, like, you know, one one hand hold. It just seems like you're stronger in every way. Like your fingers are stronger than ever. And I'm just like, how the fuck did he do that? Like he gained 15 pounds in a few (laughs) months and he's stronger than ever, even including his fingers. So anyway, yes, take it from here. I can't wait to hear about it. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Let's uh, (laughs) let's take it from the top. So you know how like climbing is obviously a sport that's quite driven by weight to an extent. And uh, over the years, it's proven more and more that like it, you don't have to be light to climb hard. It's not being lighter. That's the key. But I guess for me, even though I've known that for years, it's always been like, well, yes, you don't have to necessarily be light, but you have to be lighter and lighter is what I've always kind of thought. So, um, my kind of like average weight has always been like 76, 77. And if, you know, I eat more sweets or like if I, uh, do stuff in general, like just train more, eat more. I gain a little bit of weight. And then I've always tried to kind of reduce that slowly. Like, oh, I'm 78, 79. I'll try and like cut down a little bit on on some snacks and like cut down a little bit on this and that to just come down to my performance weight, which is what I viewed it as that 76, 77 kilograms. Because when I quickly gain to 79 or so, it's like, oh, I feel heavier, which I guess makes sense to a degree. Um, But the thing is, I think I haven't really allowed my body for years to just be what it is and like actually thrive. I I haven't had a eating disorder or anything like that, but I definitely haven't like, I've definitely cared about weight to a degree. You know, I've always considered it like, you know, had a maybe weigh myself once a week, every other week and just like, oh, I'm a little bit heavier. I'll I'll just, you know, consider this for a while. And uh, that's been pretty ingrained into my view on on myself as a climber, I wouldn't, I would never recommend anybody else to like try and get lighter to achieve their goals. Cause I think for a lot of people, it's about getting heavier, but I've also always been a slightly heavier climber, um, compared to many of my, of the people that I climb with and like people who do V13s and stuff. So I've always thought like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're 70, that's, that's fine. 70 kilograms is, you don't have to consider it, but if you get above 75, you do need to start like trying getting it down. Cause you know, I was thinking there was some sort of absolute value to how much you can weigh. Like mm-hmm. if you're above 85, maybe you can't perform anymore. But uh, I have a lot of reasons not to think that. And now they're more than ever like that, I guess. Uh, so to circle back to, I guess, what became the the cutoff point was like, I, I had this competition and I felt like really weak. I performed really terribly and... Uh, I just basically couldn't climb very well. So I was like, okay, I want to change everything about my climbing for the, in the coming months and just see what can I, can I do anything to revolutionize how I, how I climb and how I move on the wall and how I feel. And I was like, well, I've done basically everything by now. I've done my like two hangs. I've done max hangs. I've done, uh, you know, endurance training. I've done power training. You know, I, I've, I've touched on every single way of training so far, but I've never really like, accepted whatever weight happens like i've never just Mm. i guess like fully fueled myself and like taking creatine or done any of that type of stuff 
And so for the first part of the fall, around September, I was like, I'll eat whatever the heck I want to just gain weight and I'll take creatine to gain the water weight and I'll feel like a sludge on the wall and then just train like a, you know, like a madman um, with that extra weight that comes from the creatine plus the food. And then I'll kind of shred that down a little bit slowly as the season progresses. So, I mean, it did not take long to gain a lot of weight. I think I gained like five kilograms in a month or so um, from like middle of September until middle of October. I was like, I went from 76 kilograms to 81, which is again, like 10, 11 pounds or so. And for the first few weeks, I felt pretty bad on the wall. <laughs> I'll admit, like I did not feel very strong. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm going to Ticino soon. Like, this is not a good strategy. I will not be able to reduce my weight. I'll be like heavy and sluggish and it'll be tough to climb. But I decided like, I'm going to stick with this process and I'm going to trust this process. And just because I had a lot of reasons to trust it. The idea behind it was to gain a lot of weight from, from creatine and muscles and just uh, energy exertion or like with just building more muscle. And then I'll cut that off as the season progresses. So that's what, that was the original plan. But then what happened was I kind of kept on gaining weight. And when I, because I, I also stopped taking creatine and I started eating a little bit more healthy, I guess, like not as, as calorie full. Uh, so more like, I guess I had a main, more of a maintenance level, not really a deficit, but uh, before that I was at a surplus. Anyways, and I was like, okay, now I'll start dropping weight. But then I just kind of didn't. <laughs> But what happened was that I just started to feel stronger and stronger and stronger because I could just pull so much more. And it's hard to say exactly why I was starting to feel so much physically stronger. I can't like pinpoint and say this is the exact thing that I did. But I guess just liberating the idea of weight and just pushing with whatever my body wants was a very good approach to, to just get physically stronger. And so sometime in the middle of November end of November-ish, I started doing some benchmarks testing and I was like so, 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 so much stronger at mm. physical benchmarks than I've ever been before. And coupled with this would also, was also that because of this strength increase, I also had a lot more control on the wall. So whenever I was doing any form of climbing, it would be not as like sloppy or sluggish. It would be just in pure control or at least to the extent that I could. And so... Every session I was becoming a better climber because I was consistently stronger. And I was also getting strong, like physically stronger at the same time. So everything was kind of leveling up, you know? So that's kind of how, how things went. It was like creatine, food, and a lot of physical powerful training. Mm. So I, I did a lot of kilterboard climbing, a lot of spray wall climbing and, and campusing. And I, I would warm up with some power training every session. Okay. And uh, for me, this just amped my system up to just like, okay, we're doing powerful climbing. And in the end, I think most types of climbing, at least if it's if it's slightly overhanging or really overhanging, has a powerful element to it. Um, and then just having more power will help you as long as you focus on climbing as well as you can. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's the, I guess, the summary of of my transition to become a better, better climber. It's such a powerful message man it's it's so important i mean this is something that keeps coming up on the show but this is like the most 
I guess, like black and white example of it maybe that I've come across. But it's it's really cool to hear because it really mirrors my own story. Um, people that have listened to the show for a while will know that around 2018, I kind of got sucked into disordered eating. But um, there was a real silver lining with that experience. You know, at the time I was living in Bend, Oregon, I was climbing at Smith Rock a lot and sport climbing. And I dropped weight from, you know, 150, 155 pounds down to like 140. And that was way too much and it ended up backfiring. Um, but the silver lining is that, man, for for like 10 years before that, I always thought that 155 was like the highest I should go. It was the exact same thing that you're mm -hmm. describing. Like, mm -hmm. well, I, I shouldn't, you know, I know weight's not a big deal, but I shouldn't go above this arbitrary number. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And coming off the other side of the eating disorder and getting healthier again, now my weight hovers around 170, um, like 78 kilos. And I like, I'm just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It's like working so much better. And I always thought that I gained weight really easily, but in hindsight, I think that 155 was just much lower than my natural set point where my body wanted to be. So every time I ate, you know, an extra, an extra helping or a cookie or whatever, I would just like instantly gain weight. But now that I'm at 170, mm -hmm. like 78 kilos, that doesn't happen anymore. My weight seems really stable here. And um, mm -hmm. and if I eat more, I just seem to recover better, have more energy and, and my training goes better. And um, I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but this past summer I had a big training block and um, I'll talk about deadlifting a little bit. I know deadlifting isn't like the secret sauce for climbing harder, but <laughs> I had done a lot of deadlifting in the past, like years of it, and always seemed frustrated with my results. And the most I ever was able to lift was like 340 pounds. And then this summer I hadn't lifted in like three years. And I, I think I did 10 training sessions over three months and I got up to 405 pounds, just like a huge, huge oh, wow. progress. And I was just like, and yeah. I was also, you know, breaking PRs on the hangboard and climbing some of my hardest things on the moonboard at the same time. It was like, whoa, this really, <laughs> really works. I, I, yeah. And then I went on a sport climbing trip um, and, and didn't really make use of all that training, which was a, a big lesson that I learned last year. I, I wish I had just like, you know, gone bouldering in Rocky Mountain or something. Um, I think that would have, mm -hmm. I think all that training could have paid off better than it did, but the training itself went really well. So I'm curious, like, do you, do you feel like your training changed this fall or was it, cause I know you've done a lot of that stuff before, like you've climbed on the kilter board, mm -hmm. you've done lots of campusing. Did the training change or did you just respond differently to the same types of training you've done in the past or some um, combo? That I would say that I did a bit more board climbing than before, like uh, f for sure. But in the end, I do think my body just responded so much better to the new, I guess you could call it diet, but it's not really a diet because I didn't really stick to anything particular. But just like, I guess this new way of living of like, oh, if my body like wants more you know, like cinnamon rolls or whatever, then it's going to get more cinnamon rolls. Like it's, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take what I, what I need kind of. Yeah. And because I think a lot of us are pretty good at responding to what we eat in a, in a, in a good way. Like if you eat a lot of sweets and you start feeling achy, then you're probably eating too many sweets. Mm. But if you don't feel achy, then maybe it's not a big deal. Kind of, you know, like you don't have to, I don't think a lot of people have to focus too, too much on that type of stuff. As long as you're eating a relatively healthy normal diet with with your food like if you're eating a variety of vegetables and some potatoes here and there you're you're probably quite all right um 
generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah, a minute ago, you talked about eating in a surplus and then backing off to maintenance. Were you tracking things? Mm -hmm. Were you keeping track of calories or macros or anything? Or were you just paying attention to those signals from your body? Yeah, I was paying attention to the signals. I wasn't tracking anything, but I was arguably thinking like, oh, how many how many of, insert arbitrary suite here, extra did I eat this day? Like mm. I was tracking at a very small scale, but I wasn't checking like, oh, did I have 4,000 calories or 2,000 calories? Nothing like that. But I was just trying to estimate, I guess, uh, like, am I eating enough all mm. the time? And I, I, I would say I definitely was, um, which makes sense since I gained weight also. <laughs> Do you know what your body weight was when you did Story of Two Worlds? Yeah, that was 82.5. Wow. That's, I yeah. mean, that's it right there. Yeah. So you're 15 pounds heavier in January yeah. than you were in September and you climb your hardest boulder. That's, mm -hmm. that's so awesome. That's so, so yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think it was maybe when I did Power Up Now, I was also slightly lighter because that was just a few weeks before I started. Because in the September, I was diving a little bit down to 76 again. Like that's when I was trying to become slightly lighter for a competition. And I was like, trying to get into my regular weight, um, or at least what I consider was my regular weight of 76, uh, which is also when I realized like, oh, this is just not working. Like my body's not functioning the way I want it to and the way it should. Um, and I think the thing is when you're light, you can have like these performance days where you accidentally just feel super light and you're, you're mm. just delivering. But I think overall, if you're trying to train and you're trying to be light at the same time, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna work. Yeah. And the cool thing was that I, I didn't even have to be light to perform also. Like, I don't think Story of Two Worlds would have been gone much easier if I lost three kilograms. It was just like, yeah, uh, I think my, my body just functioned better at the higher weight. Totally. Yeah, the, the lightness thing, um, I mean, the reason it's so seductive is because it can kind of, it, you can kind of use it as this hack and it can get you up some climbs, you know, mm -hmm. um, like it, like, you know, that's the reason I got sucked into it at Smith Rock is because I did do some of my hardest routes when I was the lightest, um, but I sucked at everything else. Like that's something that I haven't talked about mm -hmm. that much is, you know, it, it worked for this one very specific style of climbing where you don't really have to be terribly strong. You just have to have mm -hmm. good footwork and strong, you know, fingers on small holds. Um, but anything steep, anything powerful, anything thuggy, I was, you know, I was back down to like where I had been at five or 10 years before in my climbing. I, I like degressed mm -hmm. a ton, you know? And um, yeah. And now it just feels like, wow, I'm just like kind of equally good at everything um, stylistically, mm -hmm. which is kind of a new experience for me. I'm curious about your fingers. So, you know, story of two worlds, mm -hmm. um, Obviously, it's it's hard enough that it has a very fingery element to it because everything V15, you know, in that range is very fingery um, or demands a high degree of finger strength. But it seems more squeezy, maybe body power, things like that. But then the fact that you went back to off the wagon, mm -hmm. like, I, <laughs> like we teased earlier, and that's like, you know, a problem that you seem obsessed with and you had set simulators of it and stuff and um, that one arm campus through move you know, was something that was maybe doable, but hard for you. And you came back and it just seems like you just smashed it and it seemed easy. So that's yeah, a real testament like, <laughs> to just pure raw finger strength gains. Mm -hmm. How did you do yeah, that? Man, this did, was, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. 
Yeah, like off the wagon was such a great experience. I'm so happy I went there because at the time I was like slightly obsessing of story of two worlds. Like I was going to do it. Uh, and then there was this day where it was, the conditions weren't great. So I was like, hmm, well, I don't want to spend too much energy here. Like I have a lot of other things that I want to try on this trip and I don't want to get too sucked in. So we moved over to off the wagon. And uh, the thing is like this finger strength element is the thing that often in in weight becomes the the question, right? Like, oh, can you be heavy and have strong fingers? And that's where it became so apparent that, yes, you can. You can have strong fingers. Um, I just hopped on the campus move and did it right away. Like, <laughs> it, it felt incredibly easy. I, I did it, like, four or five times in a row, just every single uh, go. Wow. Um, which, relative to when I tried it the year before at 76, like, I, I was working on it for maybe two hours, that session, and I, like... You could argue I got close, but I never even like held the swing at all in the jug. Um, so the it was a shocking difference in strength uh, on that boulder. Actually, like there, it was like okay, something's happened because it's it's hard to confirm. Like yes, I set those benchmarks in November that I talked about earlier, and I knew to a degree that I was stronger. But like you're saying, if it's I had never tried Story of Two Worlds on a previous trip, so it wasn't really. I couldn't say like, oh, I've definitely gotten better because I couldn't really put it to the test on anything. Um, but then on Off the Wagon, that was kind of like my, okay, it's cemented. Like, I'm going to continue doing this type of training for the next season, which I'm doing right now. And like, this works for me. Um, That's awesome. I think I think finger strength is when you're, when you're... That's the thing though. I think when you're first gaining weight and you're trying to kind of bulk up if you're taking creatine or just eating more or whatever, you do feel a slight decline and you think like, oh, dang, I'm losing the most important aspect to my climbing because finger strength is the most important aspect to climbing in my, right. from my perspective. Like there are, of course, elements to climbing when it's not the most important. But generally speaking, if you don't have the finger strength, you can't apply any power or technique or anything else. Like you do need to be able to hold on to the holds to climb. And yeah. uh, so, and of course, it's slow to build. So, yeah, for, for me, there was like a year where I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I suck. I feel so heavy on the wall. And mm -hmm. then and then eventually it caught up for me. But it took time. Yeah. Yeah. And my key to it was uh, so this this hangboard protocol that we talked about in the last uh, podcast, like two years ago, uh, is kind of my recruitment protocol. now. Hey, friends, I hope you enjoyed that free teaser with Emil. Once again, the full version is available right now for patrons who support The Nugget for $5 per month or more. It's super quick to sign up. There's no commitment. You can cancel at any time, no questions asked, and you'll get tons of content. The full version of this podcast episode is a little over two hours, and it's available to listen to on audio. And I also posted the uncut video interview if you want to watch that as well. Check it out. I would love your support. The Patreon is what keeps the Nugget Climbing going. It's a huge help. I really appreciate all the support from you guys. And I hope you'll consider signing up. All right. Thanks again for listening. Good luck with your projects and training. And we'll see you next time. Move with the Shake it up, stop when the clock gets 13.